because I believe science might offer an answer to the curse of the Bambino. Why someone took so long to hire that guy is beyond me. Anybody who's not tearing their team down right now and rebuilding it using your model, they're dinosaurs. One of the great things about money is it, it buys a lot of things. One of which is the luxury to disregard what baseball likes, doesn't like, what baseball thinks, doesn't think. It's a threatening, not just a way of doing business, but, it's, but in their minds, it's threatening the game. How can you not be romantic about baseball? All right, another episode here. We've got a great guest here. I'm really excited about this. I've followed uh, this guy for many years. He's, you know, been driving a lot of the science in baseball for a while. And therefore, that's why that's how I learned about him. And, you know, then you start realizing, wow, that this guy's influencing a lot of these studies. And then it's like, who is this guy? I want to meet this guy. And then I wound up uh, crossing his path or we, we started talking when he was working for a major league team. And uh, and then I started realizing that this guy's really cool, tool too. He's not just a, a nerd scientist. He's a really good dude. He played the game. And I really see him as being a big influencer, which he's, which he is, and which he's becoming now that he's moved in more of the, you know, out of professional ball. But it's Ryan Croton, or, or I probably should be saying Dr. Croton. Uh, thanks for coming on. <laughs> I appreciate it. I love what you do too. So this is a great honor to be on your podcast. Thanks, Ryan. And and all that sincere, man. That's kind of really how I I, I ran across you and. And I don't want to sell you short because there's a lot more to your career. So you mind if I go through some things that I've found online about you? Sure. Yeah. Hopefully it's all safe. <laughs> yeah, it's all internet safe. Well, it's off your LinkedIn. So that, that'll okay. Be Beautiful. Um, <laughs> you, you know, you like here, summarize real quick. You've um, you, in your statement or your uh, bio, it says you focus on serving others and their quest to compete at a higher level. So that's something we have in common. Um, you you're you're focusing on defining key performance metrics that transfer uh, and being dynamic and collaborative and implementing a multidisciplinary approach. We'll probably go into a lot of like more layman's terms on stuff on all this. Um, sure. You know, you've, you know, over to your professional career, you're, you worked with the angels as the director of performance integration. Um, you are now with armcare.com. You're also um uh, serving as a PhD at the University or Louisiana um, Tech, am I correct? Yeah, yeah, Louisiana Tech. And you have a ton of studies. And I mean, we, I would love, I don't know, we, I know we don't have time. I mean, that's how many studies you have. To be able to go through all your studies would take, <laughs> would take months. <laughs> and they're incredibly valuable to the industry. Any, anything that I missed? No, I think you uh, you hit the nail on the head. The only other thing is I'm also a research associate at uh, Auckland University of Technology and the Sport Performance Institute in New Zealand. And there we're really interested in defining safer ways of increasing arm speed and arm strength. So that's, I got a student right now that's uh, in the US that we're looking at weighted sleeves. And uh, it's it's quite interesting. We're We're kind of opening up a new, avenue so i think you rounded out everything that i've done and been doing and you know let's dive into that that's the topic man it really needs to be the topic it's it's something where i think you and i are passionate about it's about arm injury um how do we keep these guys healthy um and you know my thing is because i came from the game as an injured rotator cuff you know a guy whose career was completely changed probably should have been over um and, and it was able to not get, just get back, but play at you know, a high level with it. But it, it, it's, 
my mission in this was to find the better way. And, and so my, my approach has been the kinetic chain. I mean, once I truly learned and understood the kinetic chain, it took forever. <laughs> but once I truly learned it, I was like, how is there any other way? Is, I mean, Ryan, is there any other way than the kinetic chain approach? Uh, no, I mean, when it comes to throwing health, um, you don't want to have weaknesses in any link, but what I can tell you, and this is why I love armcare.com and, you know, I don't want to make this salesy. I'm, I'm plugging this company so much because I believe in it, the distal chain. So from the shoulder to the fingertips, that always has to be the priority. You know, it's, it's really interesting in, in strength and conditioning and talking to sports scientists, talking to coaches, they're always looking at things from the ground up and I get it. But the main event where athletes are getting injured is from the shoulder to the fingertip. And, and you know, the elbow especially, especially is a big issue. And what we need to be able to do is ensure that we have the capacity, the capacity to handle joint loads and changes in joint loads because uh, every rep is going to be different. You're going to stride slightly different. You're going to, you know, it's, it's variable um, to a degree. But when we have fatigue and we get outside of that bandwidth, when we talk about the kinetic chain, when we lose certain properties in our lower body, our pelvis, our trunk, rotation gets off, you know, and now it has an effect on the arm. If we have that distal chain capacity, the, the, the force transfers from the shoulder to the fingertips, if we have that dialed in, the message is strength matters most, we'll be able to withstand those loads. And it'll allow us to have this adaptability and adjustability to reduce risk of injury. And, you know, when you came into armcare.com, you know, I, I got to know Dugan, what he's done, you know, with his other ventures and crossover symmetry, but I, I really loved what he, he, I mean, he just has a great mindset and, and he, he really is going to, he's doing great things in, in all industries. And, and I'm, we're lucky to have someone like him. And, and when he brought you on, I was like, I mean, this guy knows what he's doing. Man. I was really excited when you came in because I, I, I knew that he was going to do something with this. And that's why I think it's becoming such a big force. It's been a big referral for me. I refer a lot of people to armcare.com and we want to get more into what it is. Um, but it really is something that every coach player should be, should have. I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, I'm selling your own product here, but yeah, man, it's, it's beautiful. I mean, the issue I have in today's world of baseball, and it's hard to stomach, but we may be training our athletes into injury. Okay. And the reason being is that a lot of our programming in arm care is posterior dominant. And this makes a lot of sense for velocity. You know, we always hear the old adage, whatever you can accelerate, you have to be able to decelerate. However, we need to decelerate the arm when it lays back, when it goes into maximal external rotation. It's just not in terms of just accelerating the arm to ball release. And the problem being is that when our programs are not utilizing a data-led approach, they're not using dynamometry. You know, if you use our product, great. We want you to. It's easy to use. But if you got other options for dynamometry, you got to use them. Because if you keep furthering the imbalance, you make your external rotator cuff so much stronger. Now, concentrically, it has greater layback speed. And eccentrically, so breaking that, that layback position, you know, getting your internal rotators to, to have uh, tension while it's lengthening to slow the arm. If we got that imbalance, well, you got to think your arm is a catapult. 
you're pulling back the catapult so much faster, you know, and we can't perceive this to the eye. We're, we're throwing the catapult back so much faster to load that arm that you think the hinge, the hinge is your elbow, right? Now you're opening that elbow at a higher rate. You're accelerating that catapult back. You're developing greater force loads. So we can be training our athletes into injury. And in this world, I mean, you know, Brent, like I'm, I'm watching your, your stuff online. I'm watching the videos. I'm watching how specific you are with data. Why, can, why are we still writing generalized training programs when the technology, the education is there and the athlete needs to be accepted as an individual? Exactly. I mean, great point. I mean, you can, I mean, there's core principles here. I mean, there's core principles that everyone needs to apply, but what you're finding and what you're saying is in my experience is that individually they, they're, they're using those core principles differently. So that's where the individuality comes into it. It's like, okay, you're applying these things well, but you're not applying these things well. So we need to really focus on those things. But if, you know, if it's too general, and you don't even have a good foundation of core principles, you, you might not be really putting the emphasis where the athlete truly needs it specifically if it's to get out of injury, you know? Yeah. You're, you're hitting the nail on the head, man. And you know, let's, let's face it. It's reality. You got to throw hard in baseball. You have to, to, to get drafted, um, to go to college, you advance your velocity and you don't have other pitches. You're still going to be attractive. You got a plus fastball and nothing else works. There's going to be interest from college coaches you're going to be interested from scouts it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to become a major league pitcher because there's other things that you got to support that velocity with better hitting but we need to ensure that our strength is also escalating with our velocity so when i was with the angels you know at the beginning i was scanning the document you know my my data reports for athletes that their velocity was dipping as soon as i saw a dip in a half mile an hour i was like okay i'm cluing in on this guy what's he doing for arm care what's he doing for training is there fatigue effects workload all those things that you're going to talk about and i avoided the guys who are getting gains in velocity i said i'm not worrying about them we got 150 pitchers i'm just focusing on guys that are decreasing that's a fatigue effect right what i'll tell you is that the players that advance their velocities, they had a higher risk of injury because what I was doing is then cross-referencing the joint strength measures and finding that strength was going down and velocity was going up. So their risk of injury was much more um, severe than an athlete that's losing velocity because when we lose velocity, that protects us from injury. That's telling us that's a fatigue response. That's not a compensation, guys. It's, 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 a, it's a natural effect that says, hey, you're tired. We don't want to do so much with your arm because we're going to put it at risk. So we're slowing down the accelerations. We're not accelerating as much. Now, what happens is when the athlete's fatigued, strength is going down and velocity is going up. Those properties, that velocity gain is happening from elasticity. That's for that's stretch loading. You got to think like if I got a rubber band and it's and, and I'm stretching that thing and it's getting really thin, you know, it's lot it's lost its strength. Like it's not a thick rubber band anymore. It's it's all based on now I can I can yank on it more. It's got to blow. It's got to start micro damaging 
first. And then all of a sudden the athlete, they don't sense it at the beginning. And then you'll see, you know, a few days later, they're on the treatment report and they're getting treatment for their throwing arm. Now it's starting to develop soreness. Now it turns into a flexor strain. And then it's conservatively um, treated and the guy goes back out. And then now the flexor strain becomes a partial UCL tear, you know, and then he gets PRP. And then we wait, we try to build him back up again. And then he goes back out and then it blows. So the whole thing is when we advance velocity, we got to advance strength. We have to show that those things are happening together. And it, yeah, it has to be. And it's just crazy how you've, I've seen velocity programs and I'm not here to, I don't want to go into attacking people. When I've seen other <laughs> velocity programs, I've gotten many, a lot of trouble for that. When, when, I, when you see other velocity programs and they, they almost, they're proud to say there's a, a disassociation in our training, meaning like we've general, we've specialized in velocity and we also specialize in injury prevention. And they almost are proud to say there's a separation between the two. Like, Oh, if you want our, if you want our um, injury prevention program, you got to do this. But if you want our velocity program, like, and I was like that to me, that to me, that makes no sense. Logically, that's not how it works. Like the kinetic chain doesn't work that way. Like, for example, you saw, you know, uh, where if velocity is going up, it, this someone could be way more vulnerable to injury if, if fatigue is the problem, meaning they have to come together. So I, I asked the question when you when you see those velocities go up and then you're looking for fatigue or injury protocol. Um, why are their velocities going up if we we see fatigue or we see things breaking down then I start questioning do they have a true or are they developed in a velocity approach effectively like do they understand there is two different types of velocity have they worked to develop the healthy velocity which typically comes with the the, the, the you know the efficiencies to be able to handle injury and and more than likely I would feel like an athlete that's trained better, more kinetic chain, you wouldn't probably see guys increasing velocity and, and all these other injury risk factors popping up because they would ultimately go together. Like you said, those would be the guys losing velocity because that's their system protecting itself. I don't know. I mean, do you, do you find that you, there's probably uh, maybe um, it's a valid approach or a valid statement that um, those that are, increasing velocity and not, you know, and focusing on injury are, are the ones that are ultimately not taking a good approach. We can do them both. Like we can put velocity and arm, you know, arm health together. Yeah. You, you, you know, you're, you're touching on this, man. It's, it's awesome. The, the metric that we really focus on is called the strength velocity ratio. Okay. This is, this is where the two worlds come together. All right. And the unit is pounds per miles per hour. So we know that we need a certain amount of absolute strength relative the velocity to keep healthy. And we ran a bunch of simulations and we, you know, I use some of my previous experience. Nobody's ever researched this. Nobody's ever put it out. Um, and if they have great, but it hasn't been published. And what we want to be able to do is we want to keep the, a maintenance ratio of 1.6. So your strength should be 60% of your velocity. That's, that's really a goal. That's cool. Um, for, for players. And when we start seeing strength go down and velocity going up, now that ratio is going down, you know, it's diving down. We need to get on our programming and say, all right, you know, 
training and throwing programming it's like a it's like a volume mixer for making music it's like one dials up one dials down and and when we see this we have to be able to make a pivot and say okay now the arm is really strong let's dial up the throwing intensity and then all of a sudden we see the ratio change it's like okay here's an adjustment we got to add a recovery day we might throw away a push day you know, if we have a heavy intensity uh, velocity session on Tuesdays and Fridays, let's say, maybe you skip Tuesday and it becomes recovery. So, you know, now we're working on intensifying strength that when my push day comes on Friday, it's like, man, I'm back at 1.6. That's where I need to be and, and just keep pushing it. So in a nutshell, if I throw 100 miles an hour using our app, we want to see you guys have 160 pounds of strength in the throwing arm. That's really cool. And that's, you know, people need to have simple ways to understand it, but they also need like the application that you guys have to really record this data and monitor something that they can look back to and, and see, okay, this is when I was healthy. I was in these, you know, metrics and these measurements. And then obviously this is when I'm, I feel broke, broken down and I can see the change. I think once you give an athlete that, it's, it's like, you don't have to tell them twice, you know, it's like they get it because obviously their motive is not to get hurt. And mm -hmm. once you just teach them something, there's, there's real something tangible here that can give you, you know, insight into what's going on. And, and then now you can actually control it. And I think that's what armcare.com y'all are doing really well. And I think that's Thank why you. everybody needs the program needs the product is because it's, it's going to give you something to really uh, sink your teeth into to understand what's going on in your body and why you would ever even fall into injury. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of, you know, the thing is I went to this ABCA conference. I know you were there, Brent, we were supposed to connect and I really wanted to go over to your we're both busy uh, booth. <laughs> yeah. So I, I saw you, uh, you know, setting up, you know, my world as a strength coach, that's kind of like where my mind is. That's why I really am drawn to the things that you're doing because you, you have that message strength matters most, you know, it, even though you're selling, the top velocity program, right? It's founded on strength, which I love. So I, I wanted to get there, but a lot of the people that would come to us at the booth, they were, they were not really grasping the concept of, you know, why we need to integrate this. Look, you know, I'm, there are other technologies. I'm laughing. Yeah. Other, other technologies to them were, yeah. were so much more appealing, you know, like whether I'm going to measure external load wearing a, a sleeve, or I'm going to track ball characteristics like um, with Rapsodo or, you know, some of these companies, they're great. They're all great. They're all, all useful in player development. There's not anything I can say negatively about the technologies that are out there. The problem is that we're focused too much on metrics that don't translate to experience, right? In innings pitched, for me, when we talk about pitchers, position players, they have arm injuries too. So plate appearances for them and innings pitched are the most important stats for me. It's the most important stats for armcare.com because we know if the athlete is not getting enough at-bats, they're not pitching enough innings, they're not gaining experience and experience is the driven component. I say this to every athlete, you need experience. You know, you come into the minor leagues, there's a certain amount of innings you need to become better. There's a certain amount of at-bats you need to become better, you know? And if we don't honor this, if we don't make the health component a priority and we don't evaluate uh, on a continual basis where our athletes throwing arm status is, they get hurt. You know, we're looking at 12 to 18 months. They've lost so many innings. They've lost, you know, an opportunity uh, in some regards to be noticed. 
So, you know, talking to coaches, I'm like, man, I, I'm, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying, I really want you to grasp the concept that you, you need to monitor these things. So one, individualize your training, but individualize your throwing. You know, we evaluate strength after throwing. We want to know how fatigable the athlete is. This fits in align with everything. You know, if you're using um, the pulse sleeve, you now have external tracking and now you have strength measures and you're able to know, okay, this is what my, my workload is for the day, but Hey, you know, this guy's, this guy's strength is down by like 10, 15%. I, I need to make an adjustment here. He's not ready for this today. And it allows us to fact check, you know, when it comes to biomechanics or people are using a great product pro play AI. I love it. Um, but <clears throat> We have to be able to look at this data and say, all right, when I look at these biomechanics, is it strength driven or is it really a coordination problem? Because I'll tell you in 99% of the problems, especially when it looks at arm path, it's a strength issue. You know, the shoulder isn't strong enough to hold position. Um, sometimes it's a length issue. Uh, and uh, typically, you know, they go hand in hand. And so, you know, our app does that too. We have an IMU for range of motion, but you know, we look at Rapsoda data, we're looking at spin, we're looking at um, all sorts of things that's coming out of the out of the hand and the ball, you know, that's all driven by arm strength. It is. So we got to we got to put it on the on the front burner, not the back burner. Yeah, unfortunately, those the coaches aren't as incentivized as the players to figure this out. You know, right. and I think we definitely see that you were up at the major league level. It's, it's very evident there because I mean, I, I was, I'm not going to say it was, but I was in an office with the president of a team. And he said, if, if we put 10 players on a weighted ball approach and four get better and four blow out two nothing yeah. happens, we're happy. So injury yeah. obviously isn't as important to them because <laughs> they have such a, a herd of talent. And yeah, that's why, unfortunately, I think I've always I'm a player first mentality, but I'll never fit in a in a major league organization because of that, I feel like. Mm -hmm. So but the thing is, but we're this is who we're speaking to. We're really speaking to the to the individuals, those who are actually doing this. I'm telling you, there is no better way to do this. And there's no one more incentivized to 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 do this and get into armcare.com than the actual player. The coaches are kind of the, the one behind them, you know, when it really comes yeah. to you know, the, the, those are going to be driven to help in this, in this field, you know? Yeah. I, I see eye to eye with you. Cause I remember when we, we started our velocity enhancement program or weighted ball program, I think it was in 16. I came to the angels in 17. We had a lot of injuries. Um, we weren't monitoring uh, the guys. We, we just assumed we were, we were kind of taking someone else's program and we were working on expanding it you know a little the adaptation was coming from the strength program we knew that you know we couldn't push the envelope when the guys are are pounding it for you know all the the volumes and the weighted balls that they're using so we knew we couldn't double up but we you, had a lot of injuries said, man. you just said the adaptation was coming from the strength program can you elaborate yeah so um you know we were what we had found is that the vertical jump had a big emphasis, the vertical jump and lean mass development, it should make sense, had a huge involvement on developing velocity, okay? Um, and when we started to evaluate arm strength, arm strength wasn't really improving with weighted ball training. It was arm speed that was coming from stretch, from layback increases, catapults getting you know able to go back. But the strength program, we're putting lean mass on the guys 
and we're increasing their jump height. And with those two components, they have more power. You know, there are lots of different ways to calculate power from jump height and, and body mass. You can look online. Like the Harmon um, formula. Yeah, there's so there's so much. I, I would use the Sayers formula. That's that's a better formula because it was it was developed on athletes instead of um, PE students. But what what I can tell you um, is that you know now we're gaining momentum, right? We have more powerful legs, a more powerful system. We're able to now create body speed right? And now it's a heavier body and momentum. Um, and I've studied momentum in pretty deep detail, linear and rotational momentum, and that's mass times velocity. That's the equation, right? You increase the athlete's body speed, you increase the athlete's mass, they are going to throw faster. And we're not even talking about the arm. We're talking about total mass, right? So that was a big emphasis, but you know, aligned with what you were saying with the previous experience you had with the front office member is one of our front office members said to us when 90% of our athletes, they didn't get hurt, that 50% of them got hurt in the program. And then the other guys were getting hurt in competition and they weren't so severe injuries. Um, uh, we had a couple Tommy Johns, but you know, an injury is an injury when you get sidelined because you got a flexor strain or your shoulders bothering you, you got impingement or whatever's happening. I mean, that's an injury to me. But when we talked to the front office, they said the same thing. They said, well, that's just the cost of doing business. And when I, when I got that information, you know, I felt kind of, I, down. It, it didn't, it didn't rub me the right way. Cause I like, you, you know, we're not doing enough for our kids. And I got two sons, you know, God willing, they play baseball. Um, and that they can pitch because I always wanted to be a pitcher and, you know, going to an organization that, you know, has kind of the preconceived notion that we're going to have, you know, guys getting damaged and banged up. It's like you, you want to, you don't want to have the mentality that, yeah, you're going to win the war and you're going to have a lot of casualties, you know, because in, in pro ball, usually these programs are given to kids. It's like a last choice, Right it's a last choice. It's the last thing they do. And some of them, it's either you do this or you get released, you know, and they do it and they get hurt. Now the effects of this is that now these players that were potential releases for a professional team, they're now in your rehabilitation program. You know, you now have to rehabilitate them. And now the players that are high priority that are hurt, it gets watered down. So what happens when we don't we don't manage these things? We just say, "Hey, this is the cost of doing business." It's affecting the athletes that are you know your return on investment, and you're overwhelming you know the sports medicine officials that are doing the rehabilitation. And and now you got okay, it was once seven guys, and now you have um, twelve, and you got one um, uh, return to performance coordinator. And I've seen a lot of teams are adding more people, more physical therapists at the minor league level. What does that tell you? Something's not right. You know, you're, you're, you're putting a lot more of the medical staff in the organizations because you're trying to manage a lot more injuries where it's, it's like the, the cost of doing business is in our minds, but the cost of doing business cost teams wins cost the higher priority athletes the, the treatment they need, you know, if you really, you know, are taking a flyer on a player and you really don't know, you're not like super excited about them and they got an injury history per se, you might as well just release them 
you know, there's, there's no sense putting him in this program, having another injury, add another body, and it waters down your rehabilitation because you'll burn out your staff. It, you know, your strength staff gets burnt out. They're trying to individualize, right? The rehabilitation has to be individualized. And they're now managing this for 12, 15 athletes. I know some teams that, you know, they have over 20 athletes, you know, throwing athletes with throwing arm injuries in their return to performance program. And that concerns me. It's like our dynamometer, 250 bucks. You know, the, we, we measure at a, a research grade, all right? And we are very accurate up until 40 kilograms. So that's 88 pounds. You know, nobody's really going to produce that much force in their throwing arm. So it's pretty, pretty accurate. Um, but still, the hesitancy is that maybe it, they don't know how to integrate it. It's a six-minute test. You know, that's something that we need to be able to do routinely. But, you know, especially for these, these athletes in these weighted ball programs, you know, especially for these athletes that are in rehabilitation, we have to make the assessment. We don't want them to hang out there. You know what I mean? You don't want your athletes to hang out in rehabilitation. You don't want that to happen. You want to progress them and you don't want them to go in the program. So, you know, I'm with you on the cost of doing business. It, it, it makes me almost sick. Like, I don't know how to describe it. I mean, it's like, you know, these are people's arms. We're talking about somebody who's a, you know, really uh, is a person and we're not valuing their health. You know, we're pushing to the brink and not, and not doing what we need to do for them. So I know that's a pretty long rant for you, but no, just no, saying I'm cool. connected with you, buddy. I'm, I'm, no, I'm right on. Well, the wavelength. thing is that's been my, you know, my mission behind it was that mentality. And I always related to almost like the smokers mentality when you're like, you know, smoking causes cancer. They're like, well, we're going to die. We're all going to die anyways. It's the same kind of mentality. It's like, oh, do you want to die now or <laughs> after a full life? You know, it's like, do you want to get injured now yeah. or have a full career? You know, and it's, I don't understand that mentality. And, and it's almost like they're either addicted to their current mentality, like a smoker, or they just don't believe anything else exists. And I think, to be yeah. honest, a lot of them just don't believe there's a better way. Mm -hmm. But I think Major League Baseball failed in the very beginning. I know the first thing they brought into a professional organization was a physical therapist before a strength coach. And mm -hmm. so they, they, they took the wrong first step from the beginning, and they have yet to recreate that. I think they're trying. I mean, I, I'm definitely happier where it's going today. But they've been really in a re recovery, a recreative, recreative uh, position as, in an, as these with baseball. It's because they weren't doing it right in the first place, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. they're having to refix everything. But, you know, how does this play into it? One of my favorite studies, and, and I think, because I think we're all trying to really get to the, these, these core principles. And, and, and you, you've been talking about them as well. Like, you know, the, the um, interior stabilizers and experimentation, like, are we measuring that? Like, that's important because that's what's compressing that shoulder joint. So it doesn't mm -hmm. want to, you know, pull apart. But here's a great study. What do you think about it? I'm curious on your thought about this. You've probably read it, but associations between glenohumeral rotational strength and select kinetic parameters during the baseball pitch in adolescent baseball pitchers. And the conclusion here is basically the result of this study provided initial evidence for a potential mechanism behind throwing related pain in adolescent pitchers with throwing arm reduction a throwing arm reduced external rotation strength ratios. Mm -hmm. Clinicians should be focusing on strengthening, strengthening the ER musculature of pitchers as a means of correcting strength imbalances. 
between the numeral rot rotators. I'll tell you more. So basically what they were finding is the actual mechanism of the body's, you know, central nervous system to accelerate arm speeds, that actual mechanism requires the, the, the ER, no, the IR to shut off, to, I mean, not, not shut off, but weaken as it lays back. So it can ex gain, so we can accelerate quicker. Actually, no, it's, I think it's on the other side. It's no, it's the, the ER uh, weakens. So the external rotators weaken as the arm goes forward because it's just like the brakes in, in the accelerator in a car, right? Mm -hmm. If our external rotators are stabilizing or pulling too hard and you're trying to accelerate arm speed, then you're actually going to affect arm speed. So how do you, how do we look at this mechanism that it, it looks like the arm actually has to weaken the decelerators to move faster. So, and, and also ultimately it's like the harder we throw, just the quicker we're going to get injured. Right. Well, you know, the, the thing is, is these injuries, there's a lot to unpack here, but there, these injuries are tensile driven, right? It's, it's overstretching. You got some compression injuries that, you know, happen at the elbow, um, you know, or pinching, um, tissues, uh, compression injuries like shoulder impingement, where you're pressing in on the uh, superior rotator cuff underneath the acromion. Those are compression injuries, but most of the bad injuries, slap tears, um, Tommy John surgery related risks, they're, they're, they're basically um, tension driven. And like what you're saying is like, I wouldn't say weaken, but there's this reciprocal inhibition. So, you know, when I'm, I'm activating my internal rotator cuff, my external rotator cuff doesn't activate so that I can make that movement. Cause if they're both active at the same time, it's rigid, it's not going anywhere. Right. Um, and so, but the thing is, is that there gets to a point where that rotator cuff, you know, this is part of our brain, our sensory motor unit area that our sensory uh, motor area that that's telling us, Hey, you're releasing the ball. All right. At this point, my brain's saying, Hey, external rotator cuff, bam. Right. And that that's while it's under tension, you know, that external rotator cuff is, is lengthened. Um, and the muscles around it are lengthened to decelerate. So they, it's kind of like switching on and off. But when you're talking about this study, I got to read this study, actually, you got to send it to me. Um, it sounds beautiful. But when they're talking about in this study is they're talking about, you know, when they're measuring the strength, um, how is that ratio? And really, what we try to do is get them to be one to one, you know, mm -hmm. um, a lot of research shows that like, baseball players are typically between 0.67 and 0.75, you know, so 67% of their internal rotator cuff, the ones that accelerate the arm forward is of, you know, the strength um, or the external rotator cuff is of the strength of that internal rotator cuff at that level. But we want the external rotator cuff to be at least 85% strength of the internal rotator cuff, the muscles that accelerate the arm forward. So the muscles that cause the breaking have to be strong. And in our mind, you know, I don't know the actual physiologic connection. Um, you know, it's neurological for sure. And, and it's also, you know, proprioceptive in the, in the joint that it's just telling you, hey, I got a lot of strength back here. So I got the parachute that can allow this race, this drag race car to just go because I can put the parachute on, you know, and the problem is that the strength, your parachute has a little bit of holes in it you know, it's not that good, or your parachute's too small, you know, that car's going all over the place, and it's going to probably rip off the back end of that parachute. So that's the back of the arm, right? Um, but we're getting, you know, we're getting 
to a point, I think that we're slanting too heavily in the posterior cuff. I agree. I agree. The posterior cuff strength's got to be up there because that's velocity driven. But remember, we talked about, you know, velocity versus injury. Most of the injuries in baseball are happening in layback. You know, the highest forces of the elbow are when the arm is almost at maximum external rotation. Slap tears are mostly peel back. So peel back mechanisms are when the my arm bone, the humerus, is rolling backward. It's, it's twisting <clears throat> the bicep tendon at the labrum. It's creating tension. Those are, those are layback injuries, right? So think about it. Like if we keep beefing up the strength of the external rotator cuff and the internal rotator cuff is really weak, all those muscles that stabilize the arm, they're not really supporting the, uh, the strength in, in the slap tear. I was just on a conference. There's an ASMI um, sports medicine conference going on. And I heard a hundred doctors, you know, you know, talking about how slap tears are the last things they don't want to repair them because the, the comeback from a slap tear is so bad, death, yeah. <clears throat> you know, and the reason why a slap tear is bad and why they happen is that the bicep increases his act activity to resist the layback. It becomes a stabilizer when the internal rotator cuff is weak. So we got to start thinking biomechanically. We got to start thinking anatomically and we have to adjust our programs like that, man. And it, it, and it's hard, you know, we're in this world, like what you said, is it velocity or is it health? But I think we can play together. I really do by monitoring, you know? I mean, and it's there biomechanically. Like that's where I feel like, you know, top velocity, what we're trying to do, we, we, we're not, I mean, it's different. It's like, we're, we're really focusing on bio, biomechanics. You guys are more focused on focus, you know, determining the capacity of strength in the muscles that are being injured in the arm. And, and that's why I, I hope guys that come in top velocity go to arm care. Like, I, I think we, we, we really um, complement each other, what we're doing here, because I'm taking my guys and going, yeah, strength is king but at the same time too if i'm getting my arm you know when my arm wants to accelerate if it's elbow in front of my face yeah then the time to release and deceleration now is cut short also i'm in opening the gap of in in supination where i'm holding tension in the elbow now i'm opening that gap which is what's holding that gap together is the ucl now, you know, it's like, so how did I get here, which is where yeah. I don't want to be going into instrumentation acceleration. So let's track that back and let's make sure we get biomechanically into better positions. So now we don't have to constantly rely on capacity of strength in the arm. It's great. We want as much as we can get, but I don't, what if I could get as you know, a high level of capacity of strength, but the actual stress is somewhere way down here. I'm not actually, you know, constantly relying on my strength capacity but but it's the best of both right we need to biomechanically have a better approach and then we need to have a better strength approach and understanding our strength capacity and in, in our in our you know in our arms oh yeah i mean and i think the world like i'm a biomechanist <clears throat> and a you know a strength coach i always strength comes before biomechanics to me and it's it's kind of weird for people to, to hear that but the intersection of where we need to get our research is to, <clears throat> excuse me, have to mirror the throwing arm mechanics and strength. So for instance, you're talking about an athlete with a pushy delivery where the elbow leads at layback, right? So they're at maximal external rotation 
and the elbows ahead of the trunk, right? I believe, you know, they're becoming obviously more tricep oriented. They're getting more velocity from elbow extension than internal rotation because that athlete potentially has really strong external rotator cuff muscles, really weak internal rotator cuff muscles to accelerate the arm forward. So the compensation is elbow first, elbow extension velocity is my principal component to give me velo. So that's the other thing too, man, is biomechanists. I really encourage the people that are out there to not just look at movement, look at physiology, look at fatigue, look at all these different elements to be able to have a real global perspective of performance. Cause you know, and, and that that's where we're going. I mean, at Louisiana tech, man, Dr. David Zemanski for people who don't know him, you got to watch him. You got to watch his stuff on LinkedIn. Nobody collects data like this guy, not in pro ball, not in anywhere, in my opinion. Um, he's got a smaller number of athletes to work with, and that's the advantage. But <clears throat> he's, he's connecting all the dots. He is. And, and I'm just kind of along for the ride to guide some, some research design and, and uh, you know, monitor students and, uh, and write. But, like, you know, we have to get to a place where it's comprehensive with our athletes. Can't look at them with one factor, you know. Yeah, I know, I know we're cutting off here. Well, we got maybe two more minutes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, why don't, um, yeah, I mean, I, th I, th I think that's perfect. I think, you know, what you guys, the need and anyone watching this, the need for armcare.com is to truly understand. I'm going to put it this way, to truly understand how well you're using your body to get forces yeah. to the ball. Because if yeah. my approach is, if you're not using it well, you're going to have to rely on a lot more strength at the end to survive. And, and arm care is monitoring it either way. It, it's just basically saying, okay, are you prepared today to throw healthy? You know, so that everyone here needs armcare.com for that. Um, I'm just yeah. saying with, with us, it's, I, we, we're just trying to help them not have to rely on arm care so much, armcare.com, but they still need it because it's no better tool to truly understand what's paying you your bills, you know, is, is your arm healthy today? I mean, would that be, an, a, a, from my perspective, is that accurate or no? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it all, it all has to fit together. Yeah. It really does. And for the serious competitive athlete, you know, why would you leave anything on the table to compete? You know, why would you, why would you do that? You know? And I think about that too, with athletes that are gravitating, the younger athletes are saying, I'm not going to do so much strength training. I'm going to go for my velocity pr program. You know, and I, I don't have anything against weighted balls. I just think you got to be the right age. You got There's a few checklists that have to be met and it's got to be evaluated. You know, you need an, an analytics platform like what we have to, to monitor the athlete. But you got to give yourself the absolute best competitive advantage, you know, and you don't want to miss time. You know, again, experience. You're missing training days. When we miss a day of training, those are reps that we can never get back in our lives. We miss opportunities to become better. So, you know, I really tell athletes, hey, your body is your business. You know, I care about you. You know, you're my business, but it's your body. And you got to care about your own body. You need to do everything possible to put yourself in a place that you can compete at the highest level. You're right. And too many people think Tommy John's a good thing, but you lose two years of your career, you know, so it, it should be avoided. And, you know, using something like armtarecare.com is going to help you do that. All right. So 
How can they find you? Tell them how to get more oh, information or if hey, they want to watch, learn more about Armcare, even though it's armcare.com, but give them more information. Yeah, our, our, our website's really easy, armcare.com. Um, my personal email, I'm going to give it to everybody who's listening to this. It's Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at armcare.com. You can email me with any questions you have, got interest in any things that we said here today or and much more. Um, I'm active on LinkedIn. I like putting stuff out there, I, you know, and I feel bad, but a lot of my messages are pushing this product and it's not because I'm trying to make financial gain. It's because I truly care. I care about the coaches. I care about the players, you know, coaches, you guys get fired now. It's not just the strength coaches anymore. It's not just the medical staff anymore. Pitching coaches are getting fired for injuries. So it's a big problem. And uh, I, I want people to acknowledge it and do everything they can do for their athletes, man. And, and for their own career. So you know, reach out to me. I'm, I'm always open to communicate. I love meeting people. And I know I'm going to be on your podcast and I'm, I mean, if, if we don't cover it all there, I want to bring you back on here. So. Awesome, man. Let's do it. 